Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with the co-founder of All Out Parking Lots, Kevin McGarvey. After a successful venture into the driveway maintenance market with co-founder Marco Minna, the two expanded their scope to much larger projects. All Out Parking Lots provides leading services in planning and updating commercial residential parking lots in Philadelphia. With a clear seven-step plan to get their clients' needs met quickly and successfully, All Out is emerging as a market leader for its high quality of service delivery. Kevin's company recently ranked on the Inc. 5000, and with an impressive 451% revenue growth between 2017 and 2020, they seem poised for even more success in the future. All Out Parking Lots is growing like crazy. So, Kevin, my friend, let's get to it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Drew. Yeah, man. How, how in the world did, did this company emerge? How did you get into this? Um, so, uh, so it was myself and my best friend, Marco, um, right? We'd always done things kind of hustling as kids, whether it was shoveling driveways, um, you know, selling t-shirts, you know, doing whatever to make a buck. Right. And, um, uh, in college, I went through a, a program called college works painting, um, which was a great internship program where, um, I was able to learn how to run my own painting business, um, with their help, right. Um, for a summer, uh, we actually, we started in February, um, it ended in August and, um, it was, you know, kind of like a boot camp uh, of, of getting into small business. And so, uh, great experience. I learned a ton, made a million mistakes. Right. Um, but, uh, but, the next summer, um, Marco and I, you know, we, we, we'd always wanted to, you know, start our own business. And so, um, so instead of paint, um, we used a sealer, a seal coat. And so instead of uh, doing painting, we went around and we seal coated driveways door to door. Um, and we did that the summer before we graduated college. Um, and then our, our last year of college, we were kind of putting together the business plan for, uh, for what became uh, All Out Seal Coat, uh, which then, you know, years later, we pivoted and uh, became All Out Parking Lots, uh, focusing on strictly commercial work. I'm not familiar enough with, uh, you know, maybe cement or driveways or whatever. What, what was the need for the, the, the sealant or the, the coat that you guys were putting on people's driveways? Sure. So similar to paint on a house, um, it, uh, it looks good, right? Like a, a nice uh, finished driveway or a, a nice painted house. Um, also, it, it helps to extend the life of the driveway. So it protects it, you know, just like paint protects the wood, right? Uh, you want that seal coat to protect the asphalt. And so if you keep up with that, um, you know, every two, three years or so, you'll double the length of your driveway by continuing to let the, uh, the seal coat take the beating from, the, you know, rain, snow, salt, sun. Um, that makes sense. Asphalt taking the beating. And so, uh, so yeah. Is that something that, that people are already doing and you guys just became a competitor or 
were you kind of the first in, in that area to be offering that service? Um, there were people doing it. Uh, we didn't see any, you know, like big brand name. It was kind of like, um, if you're familiar with like the 1-800-GOT-JUNK story, right? Like it, yeah. it was guys kind of grungy t-shirt, beat up old truck, right? There was no uh, brand out there, no real professionalism. And uh, so we saw, saw that opportunity in that market um, to have a, a professional company uh, with good customer service, good service. Um, and, uh, and so that's what we went for. Nice. And then what, what else made you guys pay attention to this? Like why, why this kind of business versus anything else? Is it, did you feel like you stumbled on it, saw the opportunity and why not? Or was there more to it than that? Um, so, you know, it was a similar business model to uh, what I learned, which was college works painting, right? You had your, your labor, your material and your overhead. Um, and I'm not a super bright guy. I'm not, I'm not a, a super tech guy or anything really crazy. I, I grew up working with my hands. Um, so that was simple enough for me and, um, and just changing out the, the material instead of paint, changing over to sealer. Um, that's what made it the right fit. Totally makes sense. And then uh, when did you guys start dabbling with the idea for moving to more of the commercial side rather than the residential side? So, uh, you know, every year we would go down to the National Pavement Expo. Uh, we're constantly trying to learn. Um, and so we went down there and we were seeing all these you know, larger companies and they were doing commercial work and we were talking to the other contractors and, you know, the other owners of the businesses. And, you know, they had advised us, yeah, you know, once you start getting into commercial work, it's bigger, right? There's more money there. Um, your season can go longer. And so, uh, so we kind of always had our eye on that. And um, uh, we ended up doing a uh, joint venture with a gentleman who was doing more of the uh, capital intensive work, the paving and the concrete. Um, and we were doing what's called the maintenance work, which is the seal coating, line striping, crack sealing. Um, and so, uh, so that's kind of how we jumped into the commercial game. That's cool. Uh, when you look back at those first few years, what, what was the, the, some of the biggest challenges to getting this business up and off the ground and really working? So, you know, right, right off the jump, right. Uh, you know, I always say to everybody, you just got to focus on sales early on, right. Marketing and sales, you have to have business, um, to have a business. And so that's what we, that's, that was our big focus. Right. Um, and we were, you know, we were wearing all the hats. We were, we were marketing, we were selling, we were performing the work. Um, and so, uh, so it's, you know, it's a grind as, as other, um, you know, entrepreneurs know you, you just have to really, um, you know, everything's not going to be perfect because you're, you're wearing so many hats, but, um, you know, you have to, you know, do everything you can to, to keep persevering. And, and I guess that's really the biggest challenge is just that mental challenge, right? Yeah. Um, you know, there's, they're, they're just psychologically, you know, having that mindset of, you know, I'm not going to quit. I'm, I'm going to persevere and, uh, and get through this. Um, and that's, that's really the biggest thing. How long do you, for you guys, how long did that stage last where it's just nothing but a grind? You're still not sure if it's going to take off yet and you're having to, to persevere and be mentally strong. How long did that last before it, it had some maybe turning point? You're like, this is going to work. And we we're able to relax a little bit more. I'd say five years, I'd say five yeah. years, um, in regards to, 
not that um, I wouldn't say we were relaxed a little bit more, but us, um, you know, five years to where like, okay, we're, we're kind of turning the corner here, right? We're going to, we're, we're making this work. This is, this is a real business. Um, and we see a bright future here. What were the indicators? Like what were the things that you were seeing five years into it that were making you feel like you were turning a corner? We started getting some, some big clients. Um, you know, Marco and I are big, uh, sports fans, right? Philadelphia sports fans. And so, um, you know, I'll go, go down and, and tailgate the Eagles games and, uh, you know, the Sixers games and so on and so forth. And so, um, you know, one of our, one of our dreams was to be able to seal coat the parking lots, uh, down at the stadiums there. And, um, you know, they're the biggest parking lots in the area, the most well-known and, um, and, you know, that was a big deal. So, uh, so, you know, I, I cold called and, you know, kind of got through to, was able to get through to the right person through, through some different avenues. Um, and, uh, and we were able to, uh, you know, we were able to land that, that job down at the Wells Fargo center. And, um, and we started landing some, some other, uh, big brands and, um, you know, that, that really got us rolling. Right. And then it was like, okay, let's make sure we can keep up with this. And, you know, so kind of went from there, but that was, I would say the turning point that year, 2017. That is huge, especially as a, as a Philly boy, you know, to, to get that project, I'm sure was huge for you. Um, when in your specific industry, when you are, when you are landing new clients, are you often in a bidding war with other, with other companies? Is, is that kind of, my dad used to run, uh, before he retired, he ran a commercial roofing company. And at least in that industry, I knew that he was always up against five or six people, right? Like the Atlanta airport would say, Hey, we need our roofs done. And then everybody was bidding, right? Um, is that how it is for you guys? Or is it more like you, you go out and you actually are the only one that is talking to this person about that job? No, we're always going against, um, you know, normally at least two other competitors. Um, normally that that's the standard is people are getting, you know, three bids and, uh, and that's what we're up against. Gotcha. Have you learned what, or what have you learned about that? Like, what is, what have you learned about being successful in, in kind of that bidding environment? Sure. So, you know, you want to differentiate yourself, right. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, we have, we have coaching, we have sales coaching, um, and we're always trying to find whatever the customer's pain is. So, you know, if they've had a bad experience in the past or, even if it's not with us, maybe, maybe it was a bad experience with a roofer or, or an HVAC contractor or something like that. Um, we try to find, you know, whatever that pain point is for them, whether it's responsiveness or quality of the work or, you know, timeliness, um, you know, there's a number of different things, but once you can hone in on that pain, uh, then you could show how we can provide the solution to that pain. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's what helps us land these jobs. Yeah. Oh, I love that. We, we, we invested in some sales coaching in the last year or so too. And it sounds very similar. When did you guys start uh, investing in that? And, and what all, uh, what all do you feel like that has equipped you for in that conversation? You just talked about uh, being able to identify that pain and really dig down into it and, and that kind of thing. But when did you guys start investing in, in really uh, sales coaching or things like that? Uh, 2019 is when we invested into the sales coaching. Um, you know, again, just, just talking with other entrepreneurs, um, they had suggested it to me and, uh, we've always 
again, just been very big into education. We have a, a, a business coach, a sales coach, uh, go down to the National Pavement Expo every year. We've had consultants come in. Um, so we're constantly trying to learn and get better. And uh, I think that's a key ingredient. Did your people take to that sales coaching pretty well? Yeah. So now we have um, four, uh, four salespeople on our team. And, um, you know, we're, we're making sure we're always trying to fine tune the process, right? Um, yeah. and, and constantly going over and sticking to the process. Uh, speaking of having four people on the sales team, when did you guys start first hiring people? Like when did it get bigger than just you and Marco out there doing everything? Was that year one, year five? When did you guys start being able to add to the team? Yeah. So, you know, year one, we had, uh, one laborer with us. Um, and then Marco and I would switch back and forth between doing sales and, and, and being on the crew with him. Um, and then it just kind of every year would sort of escalate from there. You know, we would then get um, like a full crew of three guys and then, you know, I'm still doing all the sales and Marco was overseeing all of the operations. Um, and then, you know, we added on another, another crew, you know, slowly added on another sales guy. So it was kind of um, uh, this past year was a, a big jump um, in hiring for us, but um, it was kind of slow um, you know, sl slow rise pretty much every year. Yeah. How big is the team now, uh, there at all out? Uh, 30, 30 of us on the team. Cool. And are most of the, are, are most of the 30, uh, crew out there doing the work? Yes. Yeah. We have 30, 30, uh, or we have, um, three crews and uh, sorry, four crews. Um, and then we have four, four salespeople, an accounting manager, inside operations coordinator, office coordinator, um, and then me and Marco. Cool. What's the most uh, satisfying part about being in the seat you're in, being in that kind of president, uh, you know, seat? What, and also, what's the most challenging part about your role? Uh, so yeah, I would say this is year one for me as far as like being a CEO, being a president, right? Um, where, uh, where I wasn't, where I'm not out doing the sales or doing those things. So, um, the most satisfying is, is having a team, right. When you're, when you're doing everything, man, you wish you have, you know, a team, a, a team to help. Um, so the most satisfying is bringing on, you know, people who are better than me in regards to sales in regards to the operations in regards to accounting, you know, all, all those things. Um, you know, you see that meme out there on, LinkedIn, where it's, you know, Steve Jobs saying, says, uh, you know, we don't hire smart people to tell them what to do. We hire smart people to tell us what to do. And so we're always yeah. getting, you know, that feedback uh, from them and I'm, I'm learning from them, which is great. Um, and uh, the challenge is obviously, you know, then you have 30 people who are relying on you to steer that ship and, and take the company in the right direction so that they can achieve, you know, their goals, whether it's growth or, you know, um, gr growth, whether it's in, you know, salary or whether it's in a higher position or something along those lines. So, you know, you have to make sure that, uh, you're, you're steering the company in the right direction to, uh, to help everybody else out. What's a typical day in your life look like at this point? So right now we, you know, last year we hired, you know, we hired a lot of people, and so right now my day is concentrated on making sure that 
they're successful. So it's like, hey, you know, what do you, what do you need, and what's going to make us better, right? And then I'm working with um, our business coach and the other team members to put those processes and systems in place um, to make this a well-oiled machine. Uh, recruiting is always a big part. Where I'm always looking for talent, like always, always looking for talent, no matter what. Um, meeting with people because. You know, you never know, you never know what's going to happen, whether we're growing or whether, you know, someone leaves the team or whatever it may be. So always keeping an eye on that. Um, I'm still involved with, you know, some bigger clients, um, but uh, but mostly it's just working with everybody on the team. Um, and, you know, whether it's with the sales guys reviewing the sales that they're on and, you know, talking about our sales process and, hey, you know, what, what was this customer's pain, right? Or uh, talking to our uh, VP of operations and, hey, you know, what do you need? Are we looking to, you know, purchase this piece of equipment soon because we're getting so much work or, you know, where, where, where are we at? Are there any holes? Do we need to fill any holes or anything like that um, uh, within our crews? Um, so, so yeah, I was just trying to look, look ahead to the next step. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot on your plate. How do you balance it all? Sure. So, um, you know, you just, uh, you, you make sure to touch base with everybody. Like that's, you know, we're, we're talking about company culture and everything, right. Making sure you're having those check-ins, um, you know, you're going out on job sites, from time to time, just seeing how the crews are doing, talking, getting feedback from them. And, uh, um, you know, and then from there, it's, it's just kind of a, you know, organization and, and prioritization, yeah. right. You prioritize the, the most important things, um, you know, focus on them and, uh, and, and try and execute. Man, it's so huge. I've had that conversation several times in the last few days where most of us have the idea that, uh, that there are priorities in the world, but we don't actually often apply them to the things in our business world where when everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. Right. And so it, it actually is rare when someone's like, no, I know that I've got all of these things to do, but I know these two are the most important. And so I'm going to make sure I, I prioritize them. How did you start learning that? Uh, you know, you, you, unfortunately you have to say no to things, right. Um, which is, a, which is a tough thing. And it's, it's tough as a, as, as the owner and founder who had, um, you know, done everything right. You like, you kind of just want to, you kind of want to jump in the mix with certain things. Right. Um, and just be like, ah, I'll get this taken care of. Um, but you can't, you know, that's, that's why, again, it's just important to hire, you know, hire a great team, um, and be able to delegate to them because you can get, you can get caught up, you know, in, you know, doing the day-to-day -day things like, oh, I'll just get this taken care of, or I'll just do this. But, um, and, and you think you're, you know, just because you're maybe busier or something that you're being more productive, but in reality, you're not right. You're, you're right. Actually, you think you're helping your team. You're actually letting your team down by by doing those things. Um, you know, you need to focus on the bigger picture items um, because that's what's ultimately going to take the company forward. So that is a, a tough thing to do. And just psychologically, um, you know, thinking through that and understanding, hey, I'm doing the right thing by saying no to this um, and by delegating this out uh, because I, I need to focus on on these bigger things here. Yeah, it can be kind of emotionally difficult. And I don't mean like in a 
I'm crying about it way, but like there's some, sometimes we, we feel apprehension or like, I think I should be doing this or I want to do this or I'm scared to give that over. Have you felt that at all? Just like the emotional component of it. Like I'm basically, I'm disciplining myself. This is the priority. I, I, I need to say no to this. Um, have you experienced that before? 100%. Yes. Yeah. You, you, you almost feel guilty. You're like, oh. yeah can't believe I'm not, you know, um, and, uh, and it's a tough thing, but like I said, you just need to you know, keep it in your head that, um, Hey, it, you know, if I do, you know, if I do this right, it, it's going to take away from, you know, these, these big picture things, which are ultimately going to, uh, you know, make us a better company is going to be ultimately better for everyone. And so, um, so I think communicating that with your team, so they understand that, right, is, is, is important. Um, and then, yeah, just reminding yourself, because you can, you can get stuck in those old habits of, you know, where you were wearing the, all the hats and, and doing everything. Yeah, man. So we, you've, you've mentioned a few things already that are next level learning for a business leader. What, and you, you even mentioned that you value as a company that you guys value learning, uh, a question I like to often ask is, what are a few of the books that you would say have either helped you the most or shaped you the most? Okay, sure. Uh, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, Stephen Covey. Um, yeah, yep. that, that, that book, uh, yeah, changed my life. Um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah, Carnegie. Yep, Dale Carnegie, same thing. Um, you know, those, those ones are kind of like the, the foundation ones for me um because uh at the at the end of the day right it's 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 people dealing with people whether no matter what business you're in whether you're you're selling or whether you're managing it's um it's still yeah no matter what product or service you're providing it, it's people dealing with people um so those those two books um helped help me deal with people better also helped uh, me to know myself better, right? Like the, having the self-awareness of where my strengths and weaknesses are and, you know, what I can improve on and how, how I can continue to get better. Um, they, you know, that, that those two are, are big for me. Are you able to make time uh, somewhat regularly to, to learn whether it's reading or through coaching or whatever, or is it more sporadic at this point? Every day every day, either, either reading, um, or listening to, uh, you know, a podcast just, just like yours. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Uh, when do you, when do you find that, that you're able to do that? Is it in the morning? Is it on a drive? Is it, you know, in the evening, when are you able to build that in the morning? Yeah. So the morning, um, I, uh, I go to the gym every morning. I, uh, I take, I take my dad, he's, um, he's sick. He has a, a condition called FTD. It's, um, it's a form of dementia. Um, but anyway, I pick him up in the morning. Um, we go, we go to the gym and then I just listen, uh, on my headphones to, to a podcast or to an audio book. Um, and then, uh, same thing, you know, same thing in the car. And, um, and then I'll try to in the evenings as well, if, uh, you know, if I can, but, um, but more if always, always first thing in the morning. Yeah. Have you always found that some kind of morning routine has been helpful for you or is that more of a new development? Critical, critical. Yeah. If you, if you don't have a morning routine, oh gosh, I, I don't know how, I don't know how people do it, but I, yeah, I need to, uh, to stick to that. Right. I mean, you've, I think, I, I even think 
I think there's a book on it, but um, but I've listened to a few podcasts in regards to willpower, right? And so, you know, if you are you only have so much willpower in the day, is what they say. And so, yep. the more routines and habits that you have, you're not using that up. So, the more willpower you have throughout the day, and uh, um, and it just gets you in a, a, a good mindset, good start to the day. Um, but I guess reverting back to what you were saying, I I didn't always have it, no. Um, but, uh, you know, over time through reading and, uh, listening to different podcasts and talking with other entrepreneurs, uh, I developed it. And then, uh, did it take you a minute to experiment with what works for you, right? Like what actually that morning time would be well spent on? Yes, absolutely. I think because you're going to get a ton of advice from, you know, everybody has a different routine and, and you can't yes. do you can't do yoga and meditate and, you know, uh, lift weights and read books and listen to, you know, all, you know, all through uh, all, uh, you have a three hour morning routine <laughs> yeah, before your, before your workday starts. Um, so you just need to figure out, you know, test and try and figure out what's right for you. I literally did have a client by the way that had the, his morning routine because he kept taking everybody's advice. It grew to like two and a half to three hours. And I was like, man, you're having like a work day before the work day. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? I'm like, that is, that is way too long. The, for me, the whole, the whole point is I just wanted to turn all the switches on, right? Like if I'm a rocket getting ready to, to go for the day, I just needed to turn my brain on. I needed to turn my heart on. I needed to turn my, my body on, right? Working out, something like that. And whatever works for you. It's like whatever gets you ready and in the right head and heart space going into the day, well, that's all you need. And sometimes that's 30 minutes, an hour, something like that. But this guy was feeling the pressure like, well, I'm supposed to journal and I'm supposed to exercise and I'm supposed to do this and I'm supposed to do that. I'm like, supposed to? What are we talking about? This is your morning routine. You can make it however you want. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And he was literally tired. I was like, I'd be tired too if I had three hours of all this introspective work and all this thing and you hadn't even started your damn work day yet. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I was the same way. I used to just roll out of bed and get to my day and I just started the more responsibility I was carrying as a business owner, the more it just felt underprepared. I felt like I was walking into a day and I hadn't had a chance to breathe yet. I hadn't had a chance to like gather my mind. And that's where I started really gravitating towards a morning routine. Like, yeah, give me some time, some space to like collect myself, to wake up, to think better. And then I'll enter the day. And I found it way more effective. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, when we look at your company, there's going to be a lot of, competition just out there it's 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 uh the blue collar space it's maintenance on existing deals you're bidding against other people but you guys have grown like crazy right two friends that started this on their own and you have had some rapid growth what 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 are maybe one or two things that you would most contribute to that success um the foundation for sure like um with myself right i mean we're just having that trust uh, in each other um you know knowing that we have each other's backs and we're we're always assuming a positive intention right like there's going to be you know there's going to be disagreements or arguments or whatever the case may be but we're always um you know we always assume a positive intention and um and so yeah we've you know obviously hard work plays into that um you know, I feel, I feel like they're, I feel like in the blue collar industries, um, they're, 
the age the age gap between our competitors um, and us is probably about thirty years. Um, wow. You know, like uh, you know, I'm I'm 32, and so there's not a lot of um, other people uh, my age that are really going into the trades, right? A lot of digital marketing, um, insurance. Uh, you know, there's so many so many other tech things that are right, right right where um you know the blue collar industry is is kind of uh is kind of there for the taking and so you know that's that's why we're excited to be in the industry that we're in it's that micro wisdom you know micro from dirty jobs i think he's been a great advocate for like guys you're overlooking a very lucrative and 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 great career right here uh in the blue collar world but you're right everyone has gravitated towards more of the tech kind of thing the virtual uh, digital world right but this is sitting right here for the taking so uh is, are you indicative of even the like you said the current uh age of your of your people obviously you're gonna have some fluctuation but are they also mostly young young adults like you that are working for you for the most part yeah for the wow. most part. um and then uh you know on our um uh, as far as like as far as our sales um and then uh like crew leaders out in the field yes um our accounting manager um inside ops coordinator vp of operations um you know they're they're a little bit older than us but um but yeah the rest of the team is uh is is in our age range cool man that is a differentiator uh man what gets you most excited about the future um honestly just creating a uh you know creating a place where um, everybody's happy to go to work. I know that sounds really cheesy, but, um, you know, it's, there's, there's that saying like how we spend our days is, is how we spend our lives. And, um, you know, we, uh, Marco and myself, you know, get up and we're excited to go to work every day and, uh, and be a part of this team. And so that's what excites me as well, because the people that we've brought onto the team, right. have had, you know, bad experience, bad experiences at um, other companies. And so for them to come on board here and, and be a part of this and uh, constantly give us that feedback that, you know, that this is a great place to work. Um, that, that really excites me. I love that. Great answer. All right, buddy, we're going to dive into our lightning round questions. I've got five questions for you that we've asked every founder so far. So number one, if you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would that message be? So that message would be gratitude. Um, you know, I, I, we try to uh, instill that into everybody that, hey, you know, at, at the end of the day, like we're out here working, um, it's hard work. Um, everybody is, uh, you know, we're all, we're all on the same team. We all want to be grateful for one another, grateful that we, you know, we that the customers are able to give us this opportunity to do work for them. Um, you know, as, as owners, Marco and myself are grateful for, um, you know, you being a part of our team and, um, we hope that you are grateful for, um, you know, being a part of our team as well. And so, um, that's, that's made a big difference in my life when you, when you look at, you know, what you do have as opposed to, uh, what you don't, um, you know, being, being grateful for what we have and, and the opportunities that we have here. Um, that's what I try to instill. I love that. All right. Question number two, what is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing this business? And also what was the worst? 
Okay, so I'll start with the worst uh, <laughs> first. I guess we we uh, um, Marco's great uncle, um, you know, comes from a different time and different place, right? Uh, you know, he's he's in his eighties and he's still out there working. But uh, he he would he would tell us, "Oh, you got to." He goes, your, your employees, he goes, you got to squeeze them like a grape and get all the juice out and then you throw it away. <laughs> and oh. and uh, we just kind of laugh at that. I think that's, uh, I think that's the worst advice I got. I don't think that's a, a recipe for success, but again, he comes from a different time and place. Um, but, uh, but we always kind of laugh uh, about that one. Um, and then uh, the, be the best advice um, is when I was at college works. And, um, you know, they just taught us about perseverance because I think that's the key. No matter how talented you are as a business owner, um, you're going to face challenges. And, and the key is to persevere through them. So, so yeah, absolutely. Right. Squeeze them like a grape and then throw them away. <laughs> get, all the juice out, get all the juice out and then throw them away. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> all right. Number three. What causes you the most worry or stress leading this organization? I'm sure just making sure that, again, you know, I'm the, the captain of the ship here and, uh, and there's, yeah, there's 30 people relying on me to make sure we're headed in the right direction to, um, you know, for them to be able to provide for the families. So, you know, I just I always have that, um, you know, in mind when I'm, making these dis different decisions, right? Is, you know, is this going to be good for uh, everybody here at the company? And, um, you know, that's what, that's what weighs on me most. Makes total sense. Number four, what is your BHAG, your big, big, hairy, audacious goal for this company? Yeah, this one, um, you know, I know people normally have like, you know, certain numbers that they want to hit, whether it's like number of employees or revenue number, um, but again, for me, uh, that that BHAG is, you know, I guess getting one. I don't think I'll ever reach this, but getting like 100% satisfaction from each and every employee, where you know they're they're completely satisfied with what they're doing, what they're making, um, you know, the direction the company's going in, uh, mm. being part of this. I mean, that's 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 really you know, my big goal. Um, and you know, it's, you, you try to, you try to make everybody, um, happy. It's, you, you know, you're never going to get it 100%, but I keep striving toward that because, uh, I, I just believe that's, what's going to make us successful. Man. I love that. It's, it's clear to hear your heart coming through there. Uh, number five, this is our creative question. If you could hop into a DeLorean, you get to go back to your past and tell yourself one thing out the driver's side window as you drive by when would you go back and what would you tell that younger version of yourself okay yeah so i would go um i would go back to when we started the company um in uh, in 2012 and um i would give myself uh the five minute journal right that's a that's a part of my morning routine of I'm not sure if you're familiar with it or not, but um, mm -hmm. uh, I found this uh, through Tim Ferriss and um, uh, the five minute journal. It's, it takes five minutes in the morning. You're uh, writing what you're grateful for, what you're looking forward to that day um, and uh, one affirmation. And then at the end of the day, 
you write three amazing things that happened that day. Um, and, uh, and then one thing that you could have done better. And what that's done is trained my brain to be constantly looking for the good things throughout the day and constantly, uh, being grateful. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, one of those things where in the beginning, so many things are going wrong in your business. And and if you focus on that, that can really, really drain you. Um, and you're also, uh, comparing, right. Which, uh, comparison is the the thief of joy, right? Oh, this company has, you know, so many employees and this much revenue and I'm not there yet. Or damn, I'm knocking door to door on uh, you know a Saturday where my friends are at a barbecue and drinking and watching sports and having fun, and I would always be you know comparing to uh, you know what else is going on. But um, if you just stay present um, and stay grateful with you know what you're doing at that time and, and be you know grateful and thankful for that, um, that, that's helped me tremendously. And I wish I gave that book, uh, back to myself in, in 2012, man, uh, you got me excited. I want to try that out. You just search for the five minute journal online and that'll, that'll yep. pop up. Yeah, yep. You can go on Amazon and, um, and, and, and buy it. Yeah. That's a game changer. Big love time. it. And I love Tim Ferriss. He's such an awesome resource out in the world. Uh, Mo- Kevin, man, this has been awesome. Thank you for making time with us this Friday morning. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Uh, it is really clear to see why you guys have been so successful and grown so fast. And man, I wish you all the best. Drew, thank you so much for having me, man. This has been a pleasure and uh, I love what you're doing. Keep it up. Thank you, buddy. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.